Compliance is a profession where people work tirelessly to make the world a better place. And there are hundreds of amazing and inspiring women who have helped the field develop into what it is today. Great Women in Compliance is part of the Compliance Podcast Network. So join Mary Shirley and Lisa Fine as they talk with women in compliance who are making a difference. Hi, you're listening to Great Women in Compliance on the Compliance Podcast Network with Mary Shirley and Lisa Fine. This is an unusual episode for us for a couple of reasons. The first is that Mary and I are both here, and the second is that we are speaking with Tom Fox, who really needs no introduction. Tom is the compliance evangelist, one of the true thought leaders in the field of compliance, and someone who I am proud to call both a mentor and a friend. He is also the founder of the Compliance Podcast Network, which is the home of GWIC, and one of our first supporters, and and interviewed us for our first episode, Put simply, without Tom, I don't know if we would have GWIC, and we are so grateful for everything. So, Tom, we're excited to have you here. Um, You're also the the author of the Compliance Handbook, and the second edition is coming out shortly. This handbook is a great handbook for compliance veterans and for those new to the field. So, Tom, thank you for being here. Lisa, it's really my pleasure and indeed my honor, so thank uh, to both of you guys. Well, we have a lot to cover with you today, Um, and the first question is about the Compliance Handbook. Why was now the right time for a new edition, and what do you see as the significant changes from the first issue edition to now? So the first edition came out in May of 2018, and since that time, there have been several releases of information from the Department of Justice. In April of 2019, we had the evaluation of corporate compliance programs. In uh, June of 2020, we had the update to the evaluation of corporate compliance programs in the summer of 2019, we have OFAC's compliance framework in uh, August, excuse me, in June. And then in July of 2019, we had the antitrust division's uh, evaluation of corporate compliance programs. And then I got topped off in July of 2020 with the FCPA resource guide second edition. So the regulators in the, uh, have communicated to us uh, their updated expectations around best practices. Of course, we had multiple FCPA enforcement actions over the couple of years, uh, which gave us additional information. And it just seemed like, particularly after the two, uh, the evaluation of corporate compliance programs and that update, it was time uh, to update the handbook. In the handbook, you use one of my favorite phrases. It's document, document, document. When I use it, I often use it um, with investigations, both in terms of training people to do investigations and to remember how to do my own notes on that. But it also works so well with policy. Do you have any favorite turns of phrase that you use a lot? Probably my favorite phrase is, uh, in compliance, you're only limited by your imagination. And uh, I really love that phrase because it speaks to one of the great joys I have in this corporate discipline, which is you get to try new and different things. Uh, you guys had the courage to tr- to try quick, and you started out as a podcast, and now it's so much more. And literally, you're limited only by your imagination. You guys imagined it, and you made it happen. But the same is true in the corporate compliance function. If you want to try a new way to communicate, if you want to try an internal podcast, if you want to do a silly video you know, uh, you can call up Ronnie Feldman and he'd be happy to help you. Um, but there's just so many different ways to, uh, to do different things. I know Mary has changed her focus uh, a little bit in the direction she's going, uh, but she did that because she imagined it and thought it up and did it. 
And that's what I love about this discipline. Part of it's because it's such a young discipline and it's not codified and stratified, uh, perhaps like a corporate legal department. And part of it is, I think, because of the people who've been attracted to compliance, which are uh, uh, number one people uh, who wanted to do something a little bit different than a traditional legal uh, career. And I know, Lisa, that certainly uh, fits fits you. But those differences in why we perhaps wanted to do more than sit in the general counsel's office have led us to to be open to new ideas and to embrace different strategies, different tactics. So um, I think that we all um, obviously bring our own strengths and weaknesses uh, to the compliance function, but because it's relatively new, we get to try and different things. Um, now, just turning it over a little bit, if someone new to the compliance space was going to ask you, well, where do I start? Um, what would be your first piece of advice? Probably it would be to uh, listen to the GWIC podcast. It would be a good place to start. Uh, that's great women in compliance for those uh, who may not know our inside baseball lingo. Uh, but really listen to what others have done. I have a, a, a number of podcasts where I uh, interview compliance practitioners about what they do. Uh, you guys are exploring a wide range of issues on your podcast with people literally um, new in the door to some of the most senior people who, who have been in our profession. Uh, and that's a resource that's available to anyone free. The, if you want to learn the nuts and bolts of compliance, there are a lot of avail, available resources Mike Volkoff writes a great blog. Several others write great blogs. And there's great ways to, to learn about this. I'm privileged to teach a new class at South Texas College of Law on corporate compliance. And I've encouraged my uh, students to, to join LinkedIn, to, you know, to join GWIC in the GWIC group in LinkedIn. There are a variety of groups where you can get information that will uh, give you more insight into the things you may need to do and give you insight into things you want to do as well. Well, you talked a little while ago about the only limits being imagination. Um, you have always been an innovator in the space, um, with this, particularly with the Compliance Podcast Network, which, as you've been talking about, we have some incredible voices and um, podcasts on there. Admittedly, there's a little bit of bias from the two co-hosts of this podcast. Um, and with that, I'll turn it over to Mary, because we have a couple questions for you about that as well. Lisa, and, and thank you again, Tom, for, for being with us. You are, of course, a member of the GWIC team, so this really is a special episode. And I think it's the only one that we've done like this, with the exception of our very first episode, which was Tom interviewing us, and, and that feels like an absolute lifetime away now. That was back in October 2018. Tom, how did you to start the Compliance Podcast Network, and, and what do you look for in a podcast? So I had this idea about uh, 2017, 2016, 2017, that what we needed in the compliance function was a resource where people could go to to listen to a variety of podcasts about compliance topics. So I went around to the for-profit and not-for-profit groups in the compliance space and said, hey, Let's start this network. Everybody will just contribute profits, or excuse me, profits, podcasts, and then we'll um, corner the, uh, the market on this, and then we'll be the, the resource people will come to for podcasts on compliance. And I could get zero inches. No one so much as even wanted to start a podcast back then. None of the groups I approached. So I just um, decided to do it on my own, and I started um, – 
uh, with my own podcast, the FCPA Compliance Report, which is I'd started a long time ago. It's my oldest podcast. And I just started calling my friends. I called Matt Kelly and said, hey, let's do a podcast together. I called Jay Rosen and said, hey, let's do a podcast together. I called Mike Volkoff and said, hey, let's do a podcast together. Uh, then I started thinking, of some, what are some different topics that we can have? So I uh, started uh, Innovation and Compliance. And then uh, one night, these two crazy women uh, at, at a conference said, hey, we want to be on your network. And I said, great. And uh, so you guys came on the network and you were the first non-Tom Fox podcast, as I like to call them, on the Compliance Podcast Network. And so it just grew that way. And what I wanted to do was uh, compliance, admittedly, is a niche practice area. It's a niche discipline. But there's a thousand different ways to slice it and dice it. You can have sports in compliance. You can have Shakespeare in compliance. You can have Sherlock Holmes in compliance. You can look at opinion release letters. Uh, you can look at the nuts and bolts. You can look about look at the compliance life. Uh, there's plenty of other people who have started different podcasts, mental health and compliance, HIPAA and compliance. You guys have the great women in compliance. Compliance, we have top minds in compliance. I have a big brains in compliance. We have tech in compliance. There's just a hundred uh different ways to slice and dice this. And everyone is interesting. And more, most importantly, everyone is valid. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you, you referred to that night. And, and as I mentioned earlier, it was back in October 2018 that the idea of the Great Women in Compliance podcast was born. Thinking back to that night now, Tom, and I can picture us around, um, you know, little circular high tables chatting there with with uh, appetizers um at that time of course when when lisa and i were suggesting that that quick be something to consider what was the the reaction that ran through your head at that time i remember thinking i was absolutely thrilled um i'd finally been validated enough that somebody thought enough of my network to come on it and i talked to both of you over the years and knew how passionate you were both about this topic. And I, there, there needed to be that, that focus of um, great women in compliance as a, as a social media information, whether that be a blog, whether that be a podcast. And you guys chose the, chose the podcast route, and uh, I just thought it was great. That's awesome. And I'm really going to take credit on behalf of Lisa and myself. I feel like we must have opened the floodgates in that case because we – no longer hold the mantle of being the only non-Tom Fox podcast on the network. We are not alone anymore. So is, is it true, Tom, that after Lisa and I got on there that uh, many others signed on? Well, you'll always be the first. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and as uh, being the oldest, oldest grandchild, you, it's an honored position to always be the first. So uh, you'll have that. Uh, but yes, uh, I think it, it certainly it validated the network. It validated the podcast format, and frankly, I think it showed a lot of people I can do this. I can sit and talk about my passion. I can sit and talk to my friends. Um, I can do a lot of different things that perhaps I had not thought I could do before because of the example of Lisa and Mary. We are pleased to be trailblazers at something. <laughs> I think it's fair to say. We also secretly think, Mary, that we we are kind of the the favorite podcast. But you, we won't we won't force you to to, to disclose that to our audience. But if if you could see us right now, I might be winking. So quietly, we we understand that we are the favorite <laughs> child. 
And then beyond thinking, you know, fast forwarding to the present, um, what's your view on what the podcast has become? Great Woman in Compliance, that is. Well, the Great Woman in Compliance podcast, frankly, has gone in directions that I could not have imagined. I don't know if you guys had imagined them as well. The idea of starting a LinkedIn community group around that was just brilliant. And I know the the mon- moniker, uh, the acronym GWIC, uh, I think we have to, uh, I learned that that came from Jay Rosen, but that uh, gave you a hashtag. I think everyone in compliance knows what that means now. And, it you know, it's y'all's unique hashtag. But starting with your community, I think that impressed me as much because you built that organically and you built a community of engagement for not simply women in compliance, but compliance practitioners. And then, of course, you took many of your experiences from the GWIC community and the podcast and put them in a book and um, got uh, had that book published by Corporate Compliance Insights. You uh, donated the profits of that book to uh, charitable, don- uh, charitable entities. But with the book, you took it to yet another level. Uh, once again, uh, I don't know if, if you all have these grand plans or not, but Frankly, I can't wait to see where where you guys go next. Yeah, thank you for that, Tom. We have many fingers and many pies. Um, that said, we're we're always entertaining ideas that come to us. So if anyone has anything in mind, feel free to contact Lisa and myself. And Tom, you watch this space. Yeah, so I have to give Mary some credit where credit's due here. Um, you did start the LinkedIn podcast community, and it really did make a huge difference. So. That was really innovative. Tom, did you have a comment? No, I just, uh, uh, I'm going to not only watch this space, but listen to this space. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Tom, you're unarguably one of the most prominent thought leaders in the compliance space. And for anyone who's been paying attention, I credit uh, a great deal of my substantive knowledge to learning from Tom before we even knew each other. So my question for you is, what is the secret to being a thought leader? The secret to being a thought leader, I think, is um, to be passionate about what you're doing. And the reason I'm so passionate about compliance is, as a lawyer, I uh, I think many of us came out of law school very idealistic and um, perhaps lost some of that idealism either in uh, private practice or in the corporate world. And what I found in compliance was... A, a corporate discipline tangentially related to legal, but um, I get to help improve the world and I get to help improve the world every day. And all of us get to help improve the world every day um, in the compliance function and, because we're helping improve and fight the global scourge of uh, corruption. Corruption in the United Nations estimates costs the global economy $3 trillion dollars. So anything I can do to move that ball forward, uh, I'm very passionate about doing. The um, I became a thought or started out as a thought leader through my social media work, um, Twitter, LinkedIn. I started blogging. Um, blogging forced me to uh, research and learn about topics I was not as familiar with. So it's a, almost a continuous cycle of of learning to uh, for uh, to create a blog, to create a podcast, to create a book, and then that leads to uh, the next part of uh, content, um, 
so it's it's something that I love doing. It started out as a hobby, and now it's become my job. Uh, so I sort of can't wait to see what the next topic is. And the great thing about podcasting, even more than blogging, is I talk to some very intelligent, uh, very dynamic people, uh, and I learn so much from them. And since I've really focused on the podcast and the podcast network, uh, it's exponentially increased my learning. For, for me, um, that that's a key thing is always keeping an open mind to what you still don't know and understanding that the the field is really um, an evolution, right? So what compliance was 20 years ago, it had moved on um, 10 years after that. And that was 10 years ago for us. And of course, the environment that we're in now has changed hugely compared with how it was before. So you can never really be um, totally on top of things in compliance because it's a moving target. But um, I'd like to understand um, or get your thoughts on how you you, you manage to keep up so well and how you stay so cutting edge on compliance developments. So I guess the other thing, Mary, is um, at one point uh, you and I both worked for the same company, although not at the same time. I remember. And when I left that company, um, I was trying to figure out what my next move was going to be because up until that time I'd been really practicing compliance as a lawyer and what I realized was that my greatest skills are reading and writing, mm-hmm. and that if I focused on that, not only would I uh, absolutely uh, love what I was doing, but there might be a way that I could um, make a living out of doing that. And so in 2016, I started writing the original version of the Compliance Handbook, mm-hmm. and that uh, whole process um, led, like I said, to the original version, and then that sort of the outgrowth of podcasting uh, really took off after that because that's when I sat down with some of the large organizations in our space and pitched to them the idea of uh, a compliance network, which they weren't interested in. Well, the compliance handbook, I can certainly say from my own experience, is an awesome resource. Uh, I think it's particularly fantastic for anyone who's new to compliance and wants a sort of a centralized repository of key information. But I will also say that no matter how experienced someone is in compliance, there are definitely nuggets in there that you, you just simply can't um, keep abreast of um, while, while practicing. And this is a wonderful resource. So thank you for that contribution to the compliance community, Tom. I'm, I'm glad that your efforts are well recognized. Um, both now in the the podcasting sphere, as well as you've always been on on the the blogger sphere, and uh, with your your handbook as well, and we congratulate you on your second edition. And I'll hand over to Lisa now for the final question. Okay, and I actually have a second question. As you were speaking earlier, I know it's um, one is as you were talking before about how it's a process of constant learning for you. Um, you know everything. To, can you have an example of something in your experience that you originally thought would be sort of duller and drab and not that interesting to you and suddenly became kind of a, an area that became, you know, super, you know, exciting or that you suddenly found yourself incredibly energized by as you got more in, into the weeds on it? Uh, Lisa, that really started when I first moved in to the compliance sphere. Um, this, uh, I was laid up from an accident 
and I'd hired sort of a lawyer coach to help me think through how I could continue or restart a practice of law that had been dormant for a little while. And she suggested uh, Twitter and LinkedIn, and I immediately poo-pooed both of those ideas. And then I started on them. And I mean, to this day, I'm on Twitter 15 or 20 times a day because it was Twitter that put me on the compliance map in 2010. And the social media outreach I started because of this lawyer coach's advice kind of led to us being on this podcast today. So it's something as as basic as that. And I remember my coach at some point six months later or nine months later said, you know, you told me you would never do this. And I said, yeah, I did. Uh, and that that's how stupid I was. Um, and, and really that got me to understand there's much more that I don't know that I don't know than I know I don't know. And that if I'm just open um, to trying new and different things, and that, that's really led to me trying lots of new and different things. That's really interesting. I was thinking for myself more of something along the lines of like record retention. So I like your answer a lot better. <laughs> so with that in mind, really the one other question is now that the handbook is complete, you know, what's next? So um, I, uh, I have LexisNexis is publishing this handbook. So I'm in discussions with them about the next book, uh, from the, uh, that I'm going to do with them. And um, one of the ideas I'm toying with is I've been trying to um, figure out um, what's the profitability of, of a best practices compliance program. In other words, what's the ROI of compliance? So I've talked to a lot of people about that. That might be um, one of my next books. Um, I've always wanted to write uh, a work of fiction, and I think FCPA would lend itself to uh, a great um, thriller. Um, and no one's really done that yet. So I'm thinking about that. Uh, I'm going to try some true crime podcasts in the compliance space. So if, uh, if you think fiction is strange, you ought to read sort of the top 10 FCPA finds of all time. And you, you probably wouldn't believe them. So that's going to be my entry into the true crime podcast arena, but with, a, of course, a compliance spin because the cases will all be about corruption. So that'll be premiering that in March, I think, or I hope. So uh, lots of different things in the fire. And, um, of course, I'll continue to keep the compliance handbook updated. Well, that's fantastic. And, yes, truth is often stranger than, than fiction. Um, any of us who do investigations see that, too, now and again. Um, <laughs> yes especially when you have people who come and talk about the master plan that somebody figured out to, to do something particularly preposterous. And you think, I just don't know if it was that well organized, but, <laughs> but in any event, you know, we are so grateful to you, Tom, for being part of our, um, our compliance pod for a podcast in honor of COVID um, and for everything you've done for us. I'm really excited about the, the handbook. Um, and I know you've also talked, I, I also think about you as an archivist and a historian for our profession. And thank you for doing that as well. So with that, we're going to sign off of the Compliance Podcast Network today. And thank you for listening to Tom Fox with Mary and Lisa on the Great Women in Compliance podcast. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Great Women in Compliance. We hope you'll join us in honoring the great women in the compliance field by subscribing to this podcast and leaving a review.